Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2.6 to go. Cavs out of timeout. Struce into Mobley. Back to Max. Half court shot. Good! Good! He hit it! Cavs win! Struce hits nothing but net. Struce on the loose with the game winner. And that is how it ended. The national story of the day is the Cleveland Cavaliers and Max Struce hitting the 60 footer to crush the spirit and soul of the Dallas Mavericks last night. Good morning, Metroplex. 8 o'clock hour kicking off with the hump day edition of Sean, RJ, and Bobby. We have Matt Pittman, a.k.a. Meat Church, coming up at 8.20. I think he was hunting with Pete Delkis, going to Katz's Deli, buying bulls. Mm. All this at 8.20, and he'll be on the YouTube and the Twitch but last night, Max Struess lost his mind and went off with five threes, just four in a row. Like, if you're just a basketball fan, not a Mavs fan, it was thrilling. You're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's on fire. He's completely in the zone. And then he doesn't get a touch for a couple minutes. And then after it looks like P.J. Washington is going to go ahead and win it for the Mavs, Max Struess is the top Sports story on every single channel. Mavs end up losing 121 to 119. He has in the last two months, since January 5th, so roughly two months, Max Struess has made more than five threes in a game once. And he did, or even made just five in a game once. And he did it in like three minutes. And every, like just about every single one of those felt like heat check shots. Yes. Where it's like, you have, that, that's And just, that's this guy's specialty. This wasn't, this isn't crazy fluky. This was his specialty on the heat. Yeah, no, like being a, like, assassin, like being a sniper from deep, that that's absolutely his game. But when you still, like, you watch all five of those, and it's like, those feel like just an mm-hmm. irrational amount of confidence to take any of those shots. And he knocked them all down stone cold. And that last one, when you, when you throw it up from, behind half court, and it's just a a prayer. I mean, that's one of those things where I think you just got to go, okay, all right, bad luck. You lost. Since 1979-80, it is the second longest buzzer beater, I think, in NBA history, and Luka taking responsibility, saying I should have challenged a little bit more. 
Do you know how hard it is, though? Which, by the way, I'm not blaming Luca because no. the last thing I want to do is foul or make contact. Then yes. you're an all-time dummy. Right. Yeah, it, I think uh, today might be Luca's birthday, by the way. So, happy birthday, Luca! Today or tomorrow, one of them. Well, if it's tomorrow, that'd be interesting because tomorrow's leap year day. It's the 29th. Today. Happy 25th birthday, Luca Doncic. Yeah, tomorrow, 25. Yeah. 25. Oh, so young. Oh gosh. So they 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 were up 10 with 3:45 to go. Yep. Do you know they shot 57 percent from the field the rest of the way and still lost? Dallas did. Dallas did. The Mavs were four of seven. That seems... That's what I saw on the TV a minute ago. The <laughs> final 352. Or the last final four, because the, the shot, the, the, the Irving layup counts a part of that. To right. Make it one, to, to make it a 10-point game, the Kyrie oh, okay. layup so, makes it that. Because so. I was going to say, they went three minutes there without scoring. They turned the ball over twice. Yeah. Like, I mean, or, or they, I think they made one bucket in three minutes. But it, was, the, it was a Kyrie three. So, still, but you know, uh, Cleveland went seven of eight. Uh, in that time, all from deep. And the defense on Struess was laughable. Like, Tim Hardaway's getting called out. I have to go back and see if that was his assignment for all of them. Just on the last one, it felt like someone was close to him. But it was catch, shoot, catch, shoot, catch, shoot, and catch, shoot. He hit four in a row to bring them back just like that. But there are a lot of Mavs fans who feel cheated and robbed by more bad NBA officiating. Of course, you have the Knicks-Pistons incident with the NBA and the referees admitting they screwed up the end of that game. And now we have to break down what happened in this one. So let's go piece by piece through it here on DFW Sports Station. We go ahead and start off with the Kyrie inbound violation. It's not a violation. Uh, I'm sorry, it is, it is a violation. It was not the wrong call. Uh, they absolutely got that call right. You don't have to hand the ball to the official then. It's after a made basket. Kyrie caught the ball with one foot inbounds, and they went out of bounds. Like, if that's – if you think that's a, a bad call, like, you just don't know the game. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's – Or your homer. Or your – even still, like, know the game. Even – know, know the game. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. That, that, was not a, that was not the wrong call. It was, it, was a, it was a play that Kyrie knows better. I agree. Right call. I think he probably just kind of – lost track of where Tim passed it from. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, maybe. Absolutely. I don't think he realized, like, Tim was, you know, making that pass. Because as... you could pass you you could pass the ball if to you're another in... player out of bounds. If Kyrie had both feet out of bounds, yeah. then that's okay. Or if Tim was inbounds and passed Correct. to Kyrie, but Tim was behind the baseline. Tim right? was out of bounds. Yeah. So, But if Tim was out of bounds and Kyrie was out of bounds, you could pass the ball yeah. along the baseline after a made basket like that. Right. But... You know, Kyrie had a foot that was still in bounds. Bobby, going to make it three for three and agree? Right yeah, call? Yeah, no, it's the right call, and it felt like that was just – I understand there was a lot to be upset about at the end, but that one felt like you don't need to pile that one on top. There's more than enough for us to legitimately complain about without that one. Next, incorrect offensive foul call on Kyrie. This was a weird offensive foul where he got tangled up. He got tangled up with, like, one of his arms. It didn't appear like a clear push-off. I had an – I had an issue with this one. Yeah, I didn't care for that call. I mean, I would have to see the pool reporter explanation if they ever gave one. Um, Nine times out of ten, that's called on the defender. Yeah, it would be. I, I mean, I thought, like, maybe, like, they misset, misheard that on the telecast and that it was supposed to be a travel, maybe. Like, that. that is the only thing I can say. Offensive foul? No. Yeah, same, uh, same sort of thing. Like, he was not getting 
any sort of benefit down the stretch, and that was just the most egregious example of it. I, I don't know how that's on him, and I'm, like, looking right now. I'm trying to see if there is a pool report that came out because that would be the one that I would most want to know, okay, what is it that happened there? Josh Green tackled on a three in the corner with 125 to go. Anyone feel like Josh Green? Now, he sold it like he was definitely hit. I don't think Bally went back to it with the slow-motion replay to show the contact. But Josh Green, definitely, guys are really good at this, so I don't fully believe them all the time. They quickly turn their body. They act like they've been shot out of midair. Thoughts on Josh Green contact attempting a three? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a foul. But, I, I mean, like, the 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 amount of contact to me, I don't see how you can look the other way. It felt like a big deal of this was home cooking to me, in essence. Like, this is just one of those home court advantage things where they're going to give the benefit of the doubt to the home team. The whistles are going to go your way because some of these just felt egregious. These were the two that were the yeah. biggest problem. It wasn't the inbound call. It wasn't the, you know, the other one that we're going to touch on here in a sec about the screen and everything else. It was, to me, these were the two big ones is that Josh Green should have been a foul and the Kyrie foul should have been on yeah. Cleveland. The referee was right next. I, I keep watching this on replay. Look here in the corner. The referee is right next to the play. So unless Josh, like, I mean, it really looks like contact is made. It's hard to watch that and not think contact is made unless the referee clearly saw Josh just selling it, which could have been a tech on Josh when you flop. Yeah, it's, it's not, supposed to be a technical flop. But look at that. I mean, he's shooting back. Yeah, he is shooting back. With contact. You need to see and the ref is right there. Right there. He's looking at it, too. He didn't He didn't already uh, move his head to go look at the, at, the, uh, at the shot. He's looking right at him. He may have seen very minimal contact. That didn't warrant a foul, and he didn't want I, to call a flop of that situation. I don't know. I, the only thing I wonder is if I wonder if he sees the like the leg shoot out because I know that when they they see that leg kind of like flail out a the little Reggie bit, Reggie Miller. Then yeah, they think you're trying to sell it, and so I wonder if they just didn't give him the benefit of the doubt because of that. All right, text in your review of each one. By the way, eight seven seven eight eight one one zero five three eight seven seven eight eight one one zero five three for the officiating last night. That was Josh Green in the corner. We're not done yet. Pool report will be out, by the way, later this morning. It will be. They don't have it out yet, but they will have a recap of the final two minutes with all explanations. Jared Allen, offensive foul, not called. Cavs make a three off the illegal screen. Uh, Followell and Harper called this out. I did not see this one. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just didn't. I wasn't watching the offensive screener. No, we follow the ball. We're uh, we're sports fans. We follow the ball. I'm I'm, I'm right there with you. I didn't didn't really uh, notice this one. No, it didn't stand out to me either. I know they made a big deal of it, but also like screens are going to be, yeah, th- those are going to get overlooked. All the- it's like holding yep. in in the NFL. Cavaliers timeout instead of a jump ball. I actually thought the Mavs could have been called for a foul here. Yep, uh, it looked like a near tackle. A ta- it was a tackle, a hit of the arm. <laughs> I I was not thinking the Mavericks were going to come out of that with with possession. That's me. No, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think so either. Like when you when you try to wrap somebody up, but you know, by nature, you're going to have a lot of contact. There's going to be a chance at a foul call there anyway. Uh, but then to get the timeout, they get the timeout. And then PJ not called for the and one on the final shot. By the way, this is from Mavs Stand 41, who did a nice job of listing all these in a three-minute, 40-second span. Not a very big stand, though, if you don't know the NBA rules about uh, inbound <laughs> passes, but whatever. Well, Mavs Stan. Yeah. Mavs. Uh, PJ not called, should have gotten an and one in what we thought was the game uh, winner. Yep, he absolutely should have gotten an and one. It wouldn't have mattered. Uh, because they won by two. And the M1, uh, last I checked, only allows you one free throw. Now, they could have gotten the rebound yeah. if he missed and gotten a two or a three. 
So there's that. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that. I, I wasn't thinking of that, like, screaming, and one clear foul. I guess I was just so excited that the Mavs were about to win with two seconds left. I, I mean, looking at it, like, I'm watching a replay of under the basket right now. Yeah, it looks like he got fouled. That looks like it should have been an and one. But, like, I mean, the, the biggest benefit there is probably, you know, you're able to take the free throw and everybody's kind of ready to be set on defense for the inbound. You probably defend that a little bit better or pressured a little bit better than Max Drew's full court three. But again, it's one of those things where it's like when you make a 60-foot yeah. three-pointer at the end of the game to win, you just kind of go, what are you going to do? All right. So, like, like, I viewed it. I know Cowboys fans hate to hear this. I viewed it the same way in 2016. When Aaron Rodgers hits that pass to Jared Cook at the end and they make that field goal to to win the divisional round game against the Cowboys, you just kind of go, okay. So, like, I don't know what you can do. Like, like, it was a perfect play. What do you want? Barkley would say, just tip your cap. What are the Tolos saying? Uh, six eight two says on the green Josh Green foul. Even if not a lot of contact was made, Green had the, no landing spot at all, so it should have been a foul. Two and four says refs sold the entire game, not just the fourth quarter. And nine oh three says Kyrie should have been, had the and one on the breakaway after the uh, PJ Washington jump ball, the one that they called on the floor. I think this was like if four minutes oh, left. Yeah. In the, yep. yeah, there was that one too. Yeah, when the when Luca made a tremendous pass. That's that's right. That's what it was a fantastic pass. So look, I'm not devastated by this. Um, Cavs are a really good team. Mavs went in there. The Mavs are feeling like a very good team themselves. Uh, Derek Lively with flashes last night. Uh, and you went in there and you probably should have won the game. And it didn't feel fluky whatsoever. Shout out to uh, Tolo Lori who just uh, tagged us in this. Mark Cuban also wanted to add another one. He replied to Mavs Stan with his own. He said, you left out Allen shoving Maxi before the contact with Josh. So Mark Cuban felt like there were even more fouls that should have been called yeah. than the ones that were listed by yeah, Matt. It wasn't it wasn't the ref's finest hour. Surprise Cubans uh tweeting about basketball. Like uh, every day it's Cuban, Bob Costas, they're all getting uh in, into I don't politics. even know if it's I don't even know if it's always politics. It's like life and life, social yeah. issues, which we all put under the umbrella of politics. Yeah. yeah. I mean he he's gotta get his uh, last bit of analysis in before the move to Vegas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. 877-881-1053, truckwreck.com text line. It is a hump day, day. so that means it is a Meet Church Wednesday. The great Matt Pittman getting your grills ready with Pete Delkis hunting, buying bulls. You know you're a true Texan, and he'll make RJ happy with a visit to the most famous deli in the world. Matt Pittman, a.k.a. Meet Church, answering all your barbecue questions next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is a Meet Church Wednesday, sponsored by our Tolo friends at Mr. Electric, who have the power to make things better, and that means that Matt Pittman is live on the fan cam, Twitch, and YouTube here on Sean and RJ. What's up? New setup for him. He's usually in his, uh, in his you know, looks like it's the, maybe the dining room that, that feeds into the living room, and now he's tucked in a corner. Yeah. I, I, you know, I try to move to a little, a little better sound spots because I'm too lazy to be in my office at uh, 8.20 in the morning, unlike you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, we moved over. Okay, so I have Katz's Deli which I know would strike uh, near and dear to RJ, buying bulls and hunting with Pete Delkis. Where do we start with all that? <laughs> I need to do a documentary. <laughs> uh, oh, man, Katz's Deli. Katz's right. Deli. Yeah. Let's go there. What was the order? It's always a Reuben for me, but my wife ordered the pastrami, so so we got both. But, God, I mean, it's just – I haven't been in a while. That was the week we were on Fallon, and, man, it's like – it's almost life-changing. Like, it's it's like you walk into a cathedral. There's a line down the sidewalk. You know, you walk in, you order, and you just watch these cutters. Uh, it looks like brisket, but they actually cook uh, beef navel, beef belly, and they just slice through it faster than you'd see a brisket sliced in Texas, and – I mean, it's gigantic. Like I was watching them cut my sandwich and I ordered a half sandwich uh, in soup because if you've been there before, a half sandwich is like enough for two people. Yeah. But it looked like the equivalent of like 75% of a brisket flat that they put on half a sandwich is un- unbelievable. And it's like 26 bucks or something like that. Yeah. That place is awesome. One of the all time great food fights on this show was over a Reuben. Yeah. Uh, Roy hated Rubens. I know Bobby would detest them. Sauerkraut, nope, Thousand out. Island, rye bread. I absolutely love it. Are you down for it, Choppy? Are you? Yeah, you... I, I like the pastrami better. Okay, but I, the Reuben's a good sandwich. For so sure. Matt, that's why, like my my dad, he doesn't even want me to make brisket or anything. He wants me to make pastrami. So how how would oh, yeah. one how would one even make this? Like, explain what this is. There's a whole seven day process. Brought us, yeah. clears out fridge space to go ahead and cure it all. How how would you even make a brisket or pastrami deli sandwich? Man, it's it's one of the best things you can make. Uh, pastrami is what I take to Hawaii food and wine every year. Uh, Roy Yamaguchi requests that I bring pastrami because uh, he loves it so much, and I'm I'm the same way. It, it's once you get into if you get into perfecting it, it's hard to make a regular brisket. To be honest with you, but basically, um, you know, you're gonna brine the brisket in a seven day cure or brine. 
basically. Uh, and I have this recipe on meatchurch.com with a video as always, step-by-step. Step. It's actually honestly super easy. I just heat up uh, this mixture in water, cool it down completely, submerge the brisket in it and, uh, and soak it for a week. You can actually do it quicker if you inject it like you would inject a turkey. It only takes about three days if you're in a pinch. But then uh, you pull it out, rinse it off, pat it dry, and then you don't want to season it with um, with a typical rub because there's so much salt in that cure. So what I do is I just season it with 50-50 uh, coarse black pepper and coriander real heavily hmm. and then smoke it like a normal brisket. The brisket is going to be very heavy because that all has all that brine in it. Uh, but we make what we call a Texas – Russian dressing, which is honestly like a condiment suicide and get a really good sauerkraut, not a <laughs> cheap one that reminds you of your childhood with your beanie weenies or whatever your mom served you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> slap it on some rye bread with Swiss. It's my, it's the only time I like Swiss cheese and it's unreal. Like next time I come in, I could bring this and I would win Bobby over with this. Uh, we make it as a melt at, at food and wine festivals. So it's a little crunch on the bread. It's stupid. Like it's, it's, it's undefeated. My problem that I run into is, and my wife will not let me buy like another kitchen toy. I don't slice it thin enough. So I know people yeah. at home have their own slicers. Meat so slicer. I'm sitting there, I'm trying to cut it real thin, like the deli, but it's too thick and she won't let me get a slicer. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, you know, I don't usually slice it like deli thin. I usually just slice it like a brisket and I think it's fine like that, you know, so. Uh, you know, you could go either way. So Once does, you get a little scene control and you can get your slicer, that'll work. But, but cats, in the meantime, you can just use your knife. But Katz's and those New York delis make it look like they're melting, Matt. So are they steaming it or, or, or are they yeah. straight smoking? Yeah, so there's a difference. They actually steam it. Um, and that that's the major difference in, like, what we're doing here in Texas. So, you know, what we do in Texas is kind of our take on that. But, yeah, they they steam it. So that's not my jam. You know, I think – I don't think anybody here like would prefer that texture over what we do. So I recommend just smoking it like a brisket. Get better bark. You know, there's there's pros and cons. I mean, I understand the original, but if it were up to me, I would rather smoke it than steam it. So, Matt, I routinely get accused of having a child's palate by Sean Sharif. Um, like, like, I mean, the Reuben, for instance, that's just... That's the tip of the iceberg. Like, I, I I won't let my food touch generally. If that part touches, I'm going to scoop that out. That's not going to touch there. Uh, all this has led to I am going to next month oh God. judge a, uh, a, a brisket competition, Matt. And so with my palate, uh, would you like to give me any pointers? Because specifically, I'm going to be judging a competition that Sean will be at. And he is absolutely disgusted that I will be determining what is and is not good brisket. Yeah, I have not committed to that officially yet. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's okay to have a child's palate. I like mac and cheese and chicken nuggets like the next guy. So. <laughs> exactly. You can get those at uh, the barbecue spot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I judged one la- I judged a, a barbecue competition last week, actually, uh, for an AV company and Coppel ETS and was there with Daniel Vaughn, barbecue editor, Texas Monthly. And, you know, the good thing is in those unsanctioned events, it's just whatever you like. But normally you're looking for taste, texture, tenderness. And, you know, living here in Texas, everyone's spoiled by the best brisket in the world. So it's not hard to be like, that's, you know, that looks good. That's tender. That tastes better. Like, that'd be a good time. There's nothing better than judging a barbecue competition unless you get a, a stomach ache later that night, which I, could happen. I mean, so I don't know if Sean's luck. cooking. So, I mean, it, it just depends on that. <laughs> no, wait, can, you get, can you give me like a, just a, a random tasting note that I can throw in whenever I'm reviewing it? Like, whether I taste it or not. Like, I, I heard tannins once in reference to wine. And now every time I sip wine, I tell people, yeah. I'm like, oh, you can really taste the tannins. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, you know, you throw out terms like bark, you know, you're looking at the bark and, you know, does it have peppery notes? You ah, know, is there enough, ben enough test. pepper on it? The bend test. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, this... you got to do the bend test, put it over your finger, see if it bends, take the slice and see if you can pull it and pop it apart. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is super key to make sure it was cooked properly. Has the fat rendered properly? Yes. Yeah. We'll explain to you what rendered. that means. Matt Pittman, a.k.a. Meat Church, brought to you by Mr. Electric. This actually... I can't believe Bobby actually introduced a great question, though. Hell yes. Accidentally. Like, these these judges at these competitions, when they say competition brisket, if you're making that for a judge versus making it at home, what's the difference? I mean, it's a pretty big difference. Uh, in my barbecue schools, I call competition barbecue one-bite barbecue because the judge only has to take one bite of your food, and you've got to blow them away. So a judge is usually sitting at a table with uh, five other judges, and – that bite has to really pop. So there's a whole lot going on with it. All meats are injected or brined. Um, they're seasoned with a lot of salt normally. And after they're cooked, there's usually always some sort of sauce or glaze. So believe it or not, the brisket at least gets sauced on the top, on the bark side, and often on the back side of the slices to help keep it moist. None of you would likely uh, sauce your brisket at home, you know, when you cook in the backyard. So I think competition barbecue is interesting. It's definitely less than – the 1% of the world, it's, you know, people that live in that world think it's everything and that's fine, but it's not what you would cook at home. I mean, if I gave you a rack of competition ribs, you might eat one, you know, you couldn't eat five or six. It's like eating a super rich cake, really? basically. Right. Why is that? There's a lot. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you might be able to get through five or six, but you, and you'd be like, these are really good, but you won't make them on a consistent basis. Um, you know, like when you, when you cook ribs, you know, you're wrapping them in all sorts of stuff, butter, honey hot sauce and that's fine but they do a whole lot more of it than what you would have to do at home so it's nice but there's just there's just a lot to it you know it's not something you want to eat a ton of are you like creating some pomplona thing going on with the bulls what's going on here with this <laughs> the 44 farms bull cell yeah is this a straight, Man, that was a, i mean go in there and what, how do you identify this it's like the scouting combine it is absolutely yeah, You're, are exactly, you a cattleman exactly, are you a cattleman we now we were, we were talking about that. Like, uh, so that, you know, 44 sold 725 bulls and they're like unbelievable. Like the genetics, these things look like monsters, but the first one that came to the ring went for $180,000 and we were literally describing it as like a draft. So it's, it's nuts, man. There are, you know, ranchers and producers from all over the world there. Um, I was just scouting. It was kind of like a combine for me. I didn't, I was wasn't buying anything at this one, but uh, my my eleven uh, year old son was like really urging me to to buy something. Okay, but give us like a real scouting report. What what is named? What is looked at? What is put on the screen? Well, you guys have papers and guides. Like oh man, g- yeah. G- g- give me a broadest bull scouting report for one of these that are up for auction. Man, so they produced this book. They like if I showed you this book, you'd be like, "Oh my god, it looks like a phone book and it's full color. Every bowl has its like profile picture and they all look amazing." Wow. And then there's all these stats, right? And they're like the marbling and there's all these numbers that everyone's looking for. So it's no longer just like old school like look at something like, you know, there's actually science involved in this. And the craziest thing, most of these bowls that people are buying, they're not typical working bowls, they're out in the pasture mating with their girls i mean these big ones you know they're including like when they do you know on the female side they're buying these things and then it's like they're pulling semen out of these bulls and you know taking uh eggs out of uh you know the mamas and they're and they're putting them in surrogates and so they're it's insane like when you buy these things you're 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 buying the genetics and frankly you're buying the semen 
Wow. I, uh, That's good. Scaring I've, the hell out of Peyton over yeah, here on the no dump button. <laughs> yeah. I cannot tell you how many hours, Sean, I've lost of sleep watching butcher videos. Are you being for real? Dead serious. <clears throat> I will stay up for an hour every I love night. It. I never knew this. Just watching butcher. I like. It's like a. I, I want to. I actually absolutely want to be a butcher. Really? Yes. I would. I'm fascinated. Wow. I think I can. I think I can get you a. Uh, You're not scared of the blood and all that. Well, it's all frozen all... by that point. There's really no blood at that point. Like once it's on a, okay. on a rack. Yeah. So yeah. You feel like you can. I can be... find you a flank steak tomorrow. I can cut you one up right now. Okay. I can find <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Between, between the fifth and sixth this rib or something a... like that. This is unbelievable. I had no idea. That, I mean, a lot of people stay up late at night watching red meat, but not of this variety. <laughs> <laughs> this Matt Pittman, a.k.a. Meat Church, sponsored by Mr. Electric right here on Sean and RJ, 105.3 The Fan. Uh, and then you went you went hunting with Pete Delkis. I've heard Delkis talk about his grill on WFAA here and there, or at least tweet about it. Are you his, are you his barbecue supplier? Oh yeah, he. Uh, I love Pete. He 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 claims my recipes are his. So if you ever go to like one of his dinner parties, he'll make you like his famous Mexican brisket. So mm. great dude. I've known Pete for several years. Uh, he loves to cook. Uh, he loves bourbon, and uh, got a lot of outdoors friends. So we were at a we were at a tower pheasant hunt, a very country club esque pheasant hunt. Ton mm-hmm. of fun. And then I came home and made Nashville hot pheasant immediately with uh, with our kill. So great dude. Matt, you mentioned the the bourbon there. I know you're a big bourbon guy. That is uh, that is mine of choice. So, uh, what is your best like value bourbon right now? Like, if somebody's wanting to go to the liquor store and get like a really high quality bourbon, but like you know maybe uh, maybe Jim Beam Price or something around there, which one are you recommending? Yeah. I mean, if you're talking Jim Beam Price, then I would buy Buffalo Trace because it's uh, you know they're trying to get it produced enough where you can find it on shelves and make it kind of like a jack like price point so you know that's a good everyday effective or you know in texas we can find weller special reserve so there's your inexpensive uh for sure but man the book don't get in the bourbon hobby it's uh way too expensive oh, I, I, I got some woodenville some cask strength very good at uh goody goody this last week oh it's so good that, that that's 116 yeah. proof gentlemen and I'm hearing that there's a new product out that's being sent over to the radio station for us to enjoy. What is it? There it is. So Blanco, uh, it's our new seasoning. It's been a long time coming. It's super good. Y'all are going to love it uh, because it's more of, I would describe it more of a seasoning. It's not a barbecue rub. Um, when I developed it years ago, it was about steak. So it was a steak shake, but it's been in my home for around five years as I've gone through different versions of it. And we've just kind of like slow played this. And uh, what I've, I've watched my wife grab it and take it to the dinner table and put it on everything. So we shot a video yesterday where I showed this dinner that I made that it was on the steak, but it was also on the sauteed mushrooms, the Brussels sprouts with bacon, the mashed potatoes, the tomato mozzarella salad. So it's, it's really versatile. It's salt, pepper, onion, garlic, butter, uh, it's like really delicious in your hand. So people will find like a ton of uses for it. So we're super stoked. It's the one we announced on Fallon and it's coming out on Friday on meatchurch.com and in my uh, brick and mortar barbecue supply shop down in Waxachi. But okay. I shipped it out to you guys. So you guys will you guys will get it yeah, shortly. That SPG that I had, I might be Suckle Busters. That might be like my number one steak go-to seasoning. So yeah. this kind of sounds similar to that. Yeah, you'll like it. I cooked some steaks for it yesterday. I also did a steak video yesterday. Um, and that, that's, again, what its primary use was. Uh, white seasonings 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Date competitions are kind of popular. And it's just something we didn't have. And so I was trying to make something that was totally savory, really fine. Tastes good on steak, so I think you're going to like this one. I'm excited about it. Fantastic as always, brother. We appreciate you. Keep us up to date. We'll catch up next time. Thank you. All right, see you, boys. There he is, Meat Church, a.k.a. Matt Pittman, every other Wednesday, brought to you by my barbecue-obsessed friends at Mr. Electric who have the power to make things better. Bobby, if we took the sauerkraut off, would you eat the Reuben? Probably not. I mean, I'll give it a try because but, I trust like, Matt. But the pastrami, oh, corned beef, no, not having it? Uh, no. I mean, unless Matt makes it. If you make man, it, no. You're missing out. It's, it's good. It's, it's, it's so good. Matt Pittman or Gavin Dawson has to make it for me to eat. <laughs> you could probably take off the sauerkraut and they'd be fine. That's what I just said. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> as the Bears wrestle with whether or not to keep Justin Fields in the number one pick, what does history say about trading away number one next and below the belt? The great Bobby Belt. You ruined the morning show. Don't make me take off my belt. Don't make me no, take no, off my belt. We're not. The Chicago Bears won't get the chance to draft Caleb Williams because he's decided to sign with the XFL. That sounds ridiculous, right? That what actually happened once to the Dallas Cowboys. More on that in just a second. Sounds like Jim Kelly's story. It's uh, it, it is definitely going to involve some alternative leagues and the way the Cowboys seemingly at the time got screwed, but it turned out they were playing everybody the whole time. It's a classic Jerry story. Uh, really quickly here, Ryan Poles yesterday, the Bears general manager, uh, was speaking at the combine and seemed to indicate that the direction that this is heading now is that they're going to move on from Justin Fields. He was talking about doing right by him and that they were hoping to have a call on the like a decision made pretty quickly last year when they moved off of the first round or the number one overall pick uh, and kept Justin Fields. They had done that a week after it was the Friday after the combine. So I imagine what they're doing here right now this week is letting teams get a look at the quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, see if somebody comes away blown away by Caleb Williams and says, we'll give you four first round picks for him. We'll give you four first round picks. So let's jump up to the top. And then maybe that would change things for him. It's also a chance for them to get the opportunity to just be in the same room with other general managers, other team decision makers, find out who wants Justin Fields, what they're looking at, 
and just gives them another added layer, the Bears, of comfort, I would guess, in their decision. So that's the direction it's heading. Right move? You wouldn't you wouldn't walk away from Caleb Williams, Sean? Nope. Drafting Caleb Williams, let Justin Fields go and try to figure out how to throw for somebody else. <laughs> Eh, look, I mean, you're going to have the same thing with Jaden Daniels. That guy can't throw. And so, uh, Ooh, you know, you, you, you run into that with just about anybody. Chop, you would uh, you would just say, give me Caleb Williams. I'm not taking the chance walking away from this. Yeah, I mean, like it's about upside for me, right? And then we, we've, we have enough. We've seen enough of Justin Fields to know that the upside probably isn't there. Um, not compared to Caleb Williams, at least. Now, so. do you think that Caleb Williams and Drake may by your usual first round logic quarterback logic is 50 50 um i mean i think caleb williams is a better prospect for sure i mean it okay. wouldn't stun me if drake may turn to be a better player i don't like drake may i don't think drake may is all that i think he's okay okay a lot of people, okay. there are a lot of people who like drake may over caleb williams uh I, I think nate tice over the athletic he's one dane brugler i know has had them very close and kind of jump roped him the last couple months and i think he's finally settled on caleb williams as number one but he's got drake may right there so there there will be teams i'm sure yeah. that have drake may above caleb right. williams i mean I, I like Penix a lot um you know there are guys that i, I don't necessarily like i don't know i mean i, don't, I haven't you haven't my... really given an opinion on Jaden daniels except that you thought he should have won the heisman yeah i didn't think he should have won the heisman i thought that should have gone to that Penix. he should not have won yeah. the heisman yeah uh i don't really have a strong take on Jaden daniels at all i don't i don't know why he's in the sec i know i just don't have a strong take i, I don't i don't know like, i don't think i think he's good but I don't, I don't i don't think he's gonna be great but i could be completely off on this one i, I think i think mccarthy's gonna be better than him it would take a lot of stones for ryan poles to stake his job back-to-back -back years on trading away from the top quarterback in the draft like, I, I mean, that's just something that I would think you'd say, hey, I did it once. I can't risk it again. It made me want to go back, though, and look and see. Because he didn't get burned yet on Bryce. No. But he got burned on CJ. Yeah, I mean, if you were to say yeah. Stroud, definitely. And, and I don't know who the Bears would have had higher. But if you just put it down to Bryce Young, right now, would you rather have Bryce Young or Justin Fields? I'd rather have the number one pick, which is what they got. They got instead of right, right. But I'm talking about the question from last year. A year, Ugh. like a year in retrospect, do you look at that as like, wow, they blew? Obviously, everybody blew it, putting I, Bryce above CJ. I, uh, I don't know. I think right now, I would say, like right now, I would lean Fields. Like tomorrow, if I had a game to win, I'd pick Fields because of right. the legs. But who do I think is going to throw it better? I was a little concerned that I thought Bryce Young was so advanced. I thought this was going to be the year that he would have the biggest advantage over other rookie quarterbacks. Like the other quarterbacks in the ready. class was, hey, you're ready to go. This was a Carolina team that was not awful in 2022. You should be ready to go. And the fact that he wasn't was a little concerning. Now, obviously, they ended up blowing out a coaching staff. How much did Frank Reich really want him the whole time? Those are all things that have been asked. So I decided to go back and just look at, like, what is the history of trading away from the number one pick? Because it does not happen as often as you think. Uh, since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970, the number one pick has been knowingly traded away 10 times. And I say knowingly because people have traded their first-round pick the spring before, and it becomes the number one pick. Like, this would not be knowingly trading the number one pick for Carolina. They didn't know they were going to pick number one. It's just what they did last year. So I went back and looked at some examples. I was going to do the last five, but I'm going to stretch it to six because six involves the Cowboys. So going back to 1991, April 19th, it's two days before the draft, and the Dallas Cowboys move up, make a deal with the New England Patriots for the number one overall pick. 
Uh, the Cowboys traded pick number 11, a second rounder, and three players. Ron Francis, David Howard, Eugene Lockhart Jr. Not, not a lot of big prominent names. Lockhart was, but it was the end of his career. Uh, and they get the number one pick, which they use on Russell Maryland. The tease there about imagine if Caleb Williams went to the XFL is about Rocket Ishmael, who, of course, eventually ended up with the Cowboys. But he was, in what was considered a weak draft at the time, he was the star. He was considered the most dynamic threat. I mean, you don't see receivers taken number one very often, and he was going to be number one. And I was reading back through this article from the AP the day the trade was made, and they had reached out to Rocket Ishmael and said, you know, what do you think about Dallas getting the number one pick? And he had talked all about, you know, oh, you know, I'd love to play in Dallas. So excited for this. Can't wait to to talk with the, you know, the Cowboys and, and Jerry Jones, figure out what they got. Jerry talked about, boy, he's a great player. But look, we didn't trade for Rocket Ishmael. We traded for the number one pick. We're going to feel good about whoever's there. So Rocket Ishmael, 11 hours before the draft, accepts a $4 million a year offer from the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL. Wow. And a really sort of unprecedented move in the modern era yeah. to just blow it off and say, nope, I'm taking the most money. At the time, Joe Montana was the highest paid player in the NFL at $3.5 a year. So they had given him what would be the equivalent of the wow. highest contract in the NFL. Sports Illustrated wrote at the time that his demands of the Cowboys, Rocket Ishmael, was he wanted like $500,000 bonus if they made the Super Bowl. He wanted a million if they won it. He wanted another 250000 if he had six touchdowns. Like just had all these, at the time, ridiculous stipulations in there and jimmy after the draft to his credit said we were always coming up for russell maryland that's what we wanted we wanted pick number one and we were going to trade pick number one to jerry glanville and the falcons at pick number three because they wanted rocket ishmael and they thought they could get him and we knew okay as long as we get an assurance you're taking rocket and we'll get russell maryland my old miami player i'm completely content with this so ultimately rocket ishmael was kind of a fake storyline for the Cowboys that people at the time were like, well, look at the Cowboys. They blundered this. They let the CFL swoop in. The CFL out-negotiated Jerry Jones. Nine years for Rocket, 28 touchdowns. Wow. He had two 1,000-yard seasons. But he started off not starting in any of his first two years. He started 22 games in his first five seasons, by the way. Let me say it again. 22 games in his first five seasons – with reception totals of to start 26, 34, 28, 12, 36. Not until he got to Carolina did he have his 1,000 yard season. So, Patriots, they trade out of that. Do they? And Patriots had traded out because they were broke at the time and they couldn't afford Rocket Ishmael. So, that Patriots was before Kraft, right? That was yeah. before he bought the team. Yeah. And so, Patriots probably look at this and go, Do we, did we miss out on Russell Maryland? Like, if you look at the top of that draft, there were not a lot of stars. It was a very weak draft, so ultimately probably didn't kill them. Uh, 1995, the Panthers on draft day trade the number one pick to the Bengals. The Bengals come up and get Kajana Carter, the bust Penn State running back. They're taking a running back at number one. What kind of world was that? Panthers didn't really get much in return. They traded number one, and all they got was number five, and then the Bengals' second-round pick. That was it. And didn't you say the Bengals, like, announced what they wanted so back in then? this is hilarious. Two days before the draft, Mike Brown, the general manager, is doing a press conference. Who brought us the fence? Boy, they talk so openly back then about the draft. Mike Brown had said, uh, we're interested in a lot of players, but I'm not going to list them ABC. We'd like to move up and take Kajana Carter or Tony Baselli, but I don't think that's going to be possible. They were asked, well, what about Steve McNair? Alcorn State, what if he's there? Would you take him? You guys got Jeff Blake, but, I mean, Steve McNair. And Brown said, yeah, I'm not going to say that we would pass over a quarterback lightly. But Carolina ultimately trades down, gets Kerry Collins. 
I mean, you would yeah. probably prefer McNair, but I, they were never going to take McNair. Uh, what's funny about this draft, not the tradeaway, after the draft, Bill Polian, who was the GM at the time of the Panthers, had talked about the Jaguars taking Tony Baselli. He goes, odds favor the quarterback position over time. They and left tackles play the longest, and that's why Jacksonville chose Tony Baselli. Like, well, Tony Baselli, historically short NFL career. That didn't play out the way he uh, wanted. A Hall of Fame. Uh, 1997, right. the Jets trade the number one pick to the Rams, who took Orlando Pace. Ooh. Dude, this is a brutal history for Bill Parcells. Parcells trades away from pick one. The Rams take Orlando Pace. He goes back to pick six, and then he trades that to the Seahawks, who take Walter Jones. The two best tackles, arguably, of the 2000s. The two best left tackles. Bill Parcells passed over so he could take James Ferrier. Ooh. Yeah, he was the so they so there's a little there's a little Parcell story. They were that was that was supposed to be Peyton Manning picked in nineteen ninety seven. But he went back. But he went back. Apparently, like Archie had talked to him was like, Can you assure us that you will take him and we'll come out? And Bill was like, Yeah, the NFL doesn't really like us uh giving assurances to the teams or really cracking down on this. So I can't give you that assurance. And Archie was like, All right, well if you can't then we're just going to go back to school. Way to go, Bill. You would you would love Way this to be quote. Brian Flores back in the day. It's a rule follower. Is this a Bill Parcells quote, though, after they made the trade, or is this an R.J. Choppy trade? Parcells said, today's deal gives us some flexibility to acquire young, fixed-cost players. I watched what Jimmy Johnson did. We started this up in New England. The salary, salary constraints on our team are so great, we have to get our costs fixed. I just felt that one player is not going to help us as much as multiple players, and also we're able to recoup the players we lost. You know, Bill did do a good job in with the Jets and the Cowboys of building a foundational structure in, with organizations that had nothing. Uh, he made some blunders in the first. Like, he did oh, yeah. make some blunders. He's a great builder. But he builds a team really well. Really quickly, running through the last couple. 2001, night before the draft, the Chargers trade the number one pick to the Falcons. They come up and take Michael Vick. Chargers wanted to take Vick. They couldn't get a deal done. And a couple years later, Eli Manning does the same thing to them. You feel bad for the Chargers. But Chargers works out for them. They get Tim Dwight. They move down. They take LaDainian Tomlinson, who I think everybody would take over Michael Vick. 2016, it was 15 years before we saw the number one pick traded again. That was Tennessee trading the number one pick to the Rams, who came up and got Goff. Titans were a year into the Marcus Mariota experience. They were not ready to, to make that decision. They end up getting Jack Conklin, who was a good tackle for a number of years. And then, of course, last year, the Bears trade, essentially trade Bryce Young, to the Panthers for DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle they picked, Ooh. Brenton Strage, the second-round pick, and then uh, the number one overall pick this year, and Carolina's second-rounder in 2025. So it has not burned you to trade away from the number one pick nearly as often as you might expect. Below the Below. belt on the home of the Cowboys, we are also the home of the World Series champs. Part two. Of the hype article that has me ready for baseball season today. It's coming from Surprise and Eric Chiafalo making the world champs really, really uncomfortable. That's how we start the final hour of the Hump Day edition of Sean and RJ. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.